Welcome to the podcast channel of the East Bay Unity Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. The opinions expressed here are those of individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. For more information about our intergroup, please visit our website at eastbayoa.org. Good morning. My name is Donna and I am a compulsive overeater. And um, being a Star Wars fan, I'm going to tell you that long, long ago in a galaxy far, far away, I came into this program. (laughs) And that is, um, what, 1984. So however long ago that was, 35 years uh, ago, I walked through the doors of OA. And um, it was kind of amazing because I had actually uh, not come into this program to lose weight, even though I was 100 pounds heavier than I am at this moment. Um, or about that. And um, so anyway, I came in looking for spiritual growth. I said, you know, I'm overweight. That's my family. I'm Italian. I'm supposed to be overweight. Uh, But there was no, and for my life, I am a Christian. And so I'm going to say this this way, and I don't want to offend anybody. uh, And I'm not going to proselytize, but I am going to tell you my story. All right. So I came into my pastor's um, office one day and I said, there is just no Christ in my Christmas. I don't know what's going on. You know, I was a, I worked at the church. I was in the church. I sang in the choir. Um, and I just said, you know, I'm lost. And he said to me, well, there's a, a, a gentleman coming to uh, church. We just met last week and he wants to start a spiritual growth program. And I said, all right, sign me up. Well, lo and behold, um, this spiritual growth program was the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, the gentleman who started it was an alcoholic and he wanted to focus on the spirituality of this program. And so that is how I came into OA. Um, After several meetings of the spiritual group, um, I said to uh, the leader, I said, you know, is there, you know, this would work because he had spoken of his time in OA and AA as well. And I said, I think maybe I need to go to an OA meeting with you. And his you know, first response was, well, big Saturday morning meeting, we meet for breakfast before the meeting. And I'm like, there is no way in hell I am going to breakfast with a bunch of compulsive overeaters, because they're going to see how much I eat. So uh, I did go to the meeting, though. And, um, and it was just, they were telling my story, they were reading from the big book, which was all we had at the time. And, and if you, uh, you want to see the pages I read the most, here they are. Um, <laughs> so the big book that falleth apart. Um, but at any rate, they were reading from page 61, which is the story of the director. All right, and this was so my life. Uh, I was so busy organizing and trying to herd the cats, put the people in the right places, keep them from doing the wrong things. While I was doing all this, my son was in jail. My youngest daughter, who was 15, was a jello wrestler and a bartender. You know? And the two in between were the, the middle one kind of just hung around and the oldest daughter sat in her room and ate. And so this was our life. I was a single mom. My husband had left us uh, several years before. My father, who was the mainstay in my life, um, had passed away um, that same time, my mother, who had a stroke, was now living with me. My life was very well managed. Uh, <laughs> so um, I had no reason to look for 12 steps to 
put my life in order uh, or to prove that I was not insane because I was both unmanageable and insane. And um, so anyway, I came into the program and I heard this story and, and, you know, the end of that reading, uh, if you're not real familiar with it, wait till I find the right page here. Um, it says, um, if the rest of the world would just only behave, uh, the outlaw safe cracker who thinks that he's, that society has wronged him um, is, and the alcoholic who is lost and is locked up was whatever our protestations are not most of us concerned with ourselves and the resentments and the self-pity. And that was it. You know, I, I was working literally for six different companies doing demonstrations in the stores, trying to support these kids. I had worked at McDonald's. I had done a million things. Um, and I was at this point managing uh, a restaurant. All right. So my, my food program at that time was I would get to work about 7.30 in the morning. I would start eating. I would go home sometimes 7.30, 9 o'clock at night. It would just depend. And I would end eating about then. And maybe I'd eat after I got home. I don't know. So I was eating one meal a day. It just lasted all day long. Um, so um, I worked these steps. I, I, I worked the steps. My sponsor um, was had been an alcoholic. He was a compulsive overeater. Um, and he was not strict, strict, but it was like, you know, Donna, there's a lot of other people waiting for me to sponsor them. So if you're not going to do this, uh, you know, say so now, because I can go on and help another compulsive overeater. And so I worked the steps. I, I went through them all. I, the fourth step, I felt like I lost 150 pounds, just giving up that fourth step. And, um, and I went on and I worked all its, all of the steps. I did not get abstinent. I just worked the steps. I was looking for that spiritual growth. After I finished working the steps, I sponsored. And I would tell people, I am not abstinent. I can sponsor you, you know, emotionally and spiritually, but I cannot sponsor your physical recovery. And for many of them, that was fine. Um, I did ultimately get abstinent. Uh, my abstinence... Uh, became three feasts a day uh, in which I would eat everything I could get on my tray in the employee's cafeteria. Uh, and instead of eating all day long, I would eat for an hour and whatever I could get on my tray is what I would eat. And then I would uh, go on for the rest of the time until my next meal time. And that was my first abstinence. And I called it an abstinence. Um, being because of my religion, when Lent came around, I decided that I could give up sugar for 40 days. 31 years later, I actually took sugar back and that was only because I had surgery that would not allow me to eat anything that wasn't soft and slidey. And so uh, many of those things contained more sugar than I had eaten in 31 years. My children all got married. I never had a piece of wedding cake. Um, I'm Italian, all my aunts baked cookies for the weddings. I never had a cookie. I never, I literally did not eat sugar other than what was in a piece of bread or whatever um, for 31 years. And I lost about a hundred pounds. And so I, I and that hundred pounds remains today uh, going up or down, you know, five or 10 pounds here or there, depending on the weather. Uh, so anyway, and, and I have decided I am not thin. And I will never be thin. And when I get on the scale now, I still weigh on the obese side of the scale. But this is the body God left me with after 
not having sugar for 31 years after losing almost 100 pounds. And so I'm not a size 10. But that never kept me from working my program, from sponsoring, and from doing service. Um, I did service on literally every level of Overeaters Anonymous. Um, I started out leading meetings, being an intergroup rep. I went from uh, intergroup to, and from the rep into chairing the intergroup. Uh, I went from chairing the intergroup to joining the region. I went from the region to becoming uh, chairperson and vice chair of the region. Um, and then I went on to the board of trustees and served on the board of trustees. And just so you know, I'm the only trustee who voted against the Overeaters Anonymous book because all my recovery was in the big book and I didn't need another one. Um, and you'll find that in the records. But at any rate, um, going back through my personal life uh, up till that point, uh, as I said, my son had been in jail. My son is now a lieutenant on the Chicago Fire Department. Um, my daughter, who was a jello wrestler, has now put all that ambition into uh, teaching and helping to run a yoga studio. Uh, she stands on her head on the top of any mountain that she can get to. Um, and she's a wonderful mother. My son is a wonderful father. Um, my other two daughters are, my one daughter, I think, still hides in her bedroom and eats, but the other one is doing very well. All of my children, except for my son, are college educated. Um, my son does not have uh, a degree, but he teaches um, um, ah, hazmat in the universities to anyone, any of the people that are taking fire science courses. Um, and he does now travel across the country teaching hazmat for the fire departments. Um, so, you know, we've, we've had a rough life. It's not been easy. When I came into the program, we didn't know if we were going to have electricity when we got home or if the phones were going to work. I drove a $35 car and if it broke down, I parked it on the side of the street. And when my son or one of his friends was available, they'd go to the junkyard, they'd buy me another $35 car and we'd drive that until it died. Um, my son's friends grew up in my garage. My daughter's friends grew up in my house. Um, there was always um, 10 people living in my house. Uh, it was insane. Uh, there was a time when we had zoo rules up on the door because <laughs> I was going nuts and I needed some kind of organization in my life. But this program, doing steps one, two, and three on a daily basis, turning my life and my will over to the care of a higher power, having done the fourth and fifth step, I've never had a need to actually go back and do another, but I do live in 10, 11, and 12 constantly. Um, if I have done something that upsets someone or I think upsets someone, I make amends. I don't mess around. I don't make a list of things that I need to do. I just go out and make an amend and make amends. And I just don't, you know, it, to me, it's more important to humble myself than to let my pride say that, no, it was their fault or whatever. If it's my fault, I acknowledge it. Um, and I don't eat over it that way. So I just kind of live my life by this program. Um, I, came, I, I got married 26, remarried 26 years ago to a retired firefighter in Chicago um, and who also uh, is an alcoholic and uh, so, or was a, a recovering alcoholic, let me put it that way. So we've been married 26 years. I guess we have a great marriage. Um, today, I don't worry about money. Uh, we have some, 
you know, I can go on a cruise if I want to go on a cruise. Uh, I can pay for it and I don't have to eat my way through a cruise. I can go on vacations. I can visit my kids. Um, I can do whatever I want because I am free to live my life. I am not bound to food. I am not bound uh, at this point, thank God, by uh, financial difficulties, um, even though we went through all that. Um, I spent many years working in the city of Chicago through the church uh, with street kids. We were in, uh, our church was in one of the highest crime rates in the city. Um, and those kids became part of my family. Um, I'm, an adopt, I'm, a, I'm an adoptive person. I adopt anybody who, who I feel needs it. Uh, still to this day, these kids are now 60 years old. And last night I watched one of their children perform at uh, a college in, in New York where they did their, their uh, performance of Little Women. And they keep, me, they keep in touch. You know, these people are all part of my life. And I don't think any of that could have happened, that I could have these kids that send me Mother's Day greetings and birthday greetings and Christmas greetings that grew up on the streets, kids that we kept out of gangs um, and kids that sat with me as we buried their friends who couldn't stay out of the gangs. Um, you know, I don't think I could have done all of that if I hadn't had this program in my life. Um, I don't think I could have kept up with all of that. You know, the, the big book says uh, on, uh, where is it, page 81, starts the promises. All right, and it says here, if we are painstaking about this phase of our development, if we've gone through the first 10 steps of this program or the first nine steps of this program and painstakingly, you know, turned our lives and our, and our wills over to the care of God, if we've painstakingly given up that fourth and fifth um, step, if we've asked God, continually asked God to remove the character defects that we don't need for today. Uh, you know, sometimes I need some of my character defects. I need to have persistence, which used to be stubbornness. Um, I used to, I need to have um, my, you know, I just, there's just some of my character defects that I do need to have on a daily basis. But if I don't need them today, God removes them because I ask him to. So I take you know, sixth and seventh step and I ask God to remove and I am humbly willing to have him remove those character defects. So if I'm painstaking about all this phase of my development, I will be amazed before I am halfway through because I am going to know a new freedom and that new freedom and happiness. And I will not regret my past, nor will five, I shut the five door. Minutes left. Sorry, it's Thanks, five Lori. Minutes. Thank you. So I don't shut off my past. I live in freedom today. Um, God has led me to just a place of, I live in Podunk, Kentucky. You know, I don't know if I'm going to have internet, let alone anything else for the rest of the day, but I have gone where God has led me. And of all the things, as a person who worked on the streets with the kids, who grew up, who was not, who tried to live a Christian life, but didn't do it very well. I pastor a church today. Uh, in the Methodist ch uh, church. I run a dinner church and I feed homeless people. I feed about 120 homeless people every Thursday night uh, with a small group of friends that work with me. Um, I do these things because this is where God has led me. By turning my life and my will, I have not fought um, what God has led me to do, but I have followed God's leading. Um, and that works for me today. 
So I am just, I'm super grateful to be here. Um, I feel like I have a room full of friends. You know, I have one friend that's been through. I told Rosha yesterday when we spoke, I said, if I can't make it tomorrow, will you just tell my story? <laughs> because she has not only heard it, but she's lived a, a great deal of it with me. So um, I feel like this is my new OA home because there is none here. And until the pandemic, I had no meetings to go to until the Zoom thing came about. So I'm extremely grateful for that, that I have been led by my higher, higher power to this meeting. Um, and I'm grateful to be part of it. And I thank you all very much. <laughs>